Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage, live outrage. from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time talking for about. Mortgage Matters. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Mortgage Matters. We're here for another live edition of the show. It is Saturday, August 24th, just a few minutes after 10 o'clock. I'm Dan Podesto. I'm back in the saddle after a week off. I was enjoying the beautiful outdoors of Lake Tahoe last week, camping with a few family members and had a great time. I trust everything went very smoothly while I was gone, Jim. Is that right? Very, very well, I thought. Good. Yes. And uh, we Another action-packed show. It was another a- action-packed show. Yeah. Jason, was... Jason can hold down the fort usually. I have confidence in him. And you guys had a good la- guest last week. And yeah, cool. I, thought, I thought it went re- very well. All right. Well, that's good to hear. So Jason, it's Jason. Since I was out last week, it's Jason's turn this week to, be, um, to take a, a weekend off. It's his wife's. Gosh, how old is Melanie? This this. Oh, but she wanted me to. She wanted me to celebrate her um, 39th birthday in style here on the show. So happy birthday, Melanie! Happy 39. <laughs> she's bad at math, but she's um, she's really she's, she's, she's really Jason, great. So yeah, she she's puts up with a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> she's not really 39. We have a running joke going. She always insists that I'm older than her, but that's completely untrue. <laughs> She was born the year before me. Um, so I can't do a show alone. We know that. So we brought in some, we brought in the, the hard hitters, the big guns today. We brought in another Jason. We're trading out Jasons today. We brought in our very own Jason Van Dyke, um, loan officer at Central Coast Lending, but that just scratches the surface. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. <laughs> This isn't his first time on the show. I think what maybe a year or two ago, you you joined me. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> I think you, you were looking for another Jason back then. Yeah, so you know, it just makes it easier. Again. Keeps right. my <laughs> one less thing to have to remember a new name. Um, so how you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Thanks for coming in on a Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to be here. <laughs> um, well, just for our listeners, um, I'd like to. I, I'm sure you know we've got such a loyal listening audience here that they probably already know you they remember you from the last time but we've probably gained a few new listeners who want to know who you are and what your background is a little bit so maybe you could share some of that oh very briefly okay um well i've been here in the central coast of california for about 10 to 12 years now so this is definitely home um been with central coast lending for about two and a half three years now and it's uh, it's been great um I've really enjoyed working with the people at Central Coast Lending and the people in the community, and it's just uh, we've got a lot of really cool things happening here, and it's it's good to be a part of it. Yeah, you know? cool. And where where were you before you moved into the San Luis area? I grew up in Colorado, and uh, did a little stint in Las Vegas for a couple of years. And that explains uh, the hat, the Colorado hat. Exactly. Very proud of Colorado. He's wearing a Colorado state flag on his head today. I just got back from uh, a little <laughs> trip in Colorado as well, wrapping up summer before the kids start school. So, uh, cool. so I'm 
proudly wearing my hat. Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, and your wife is a CPA um, here locally too, right? Yes, she's a local CPA out in Los Osos. So uh, she's uh, much smarter than me, which is good. So I won't mention he's wearing a Colorado hat, but he's wearing a Ventura, California t-shirt. We'll so, balance it out. You know, balance uh, it out. Yeah. <laughs> Hearts in two places. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and um, let's see here. Where'd you go to school? I went to a small uh, school in Colorado called Adams State. Adams State. Yep. I have a finance degree there, a uh, minor in accounting, and that's sort of... And you hold, like, some school records for something, right? I was... Uh, Aren't you, like, a day, pretty awesome football player? I used to be a punter. <laughs> a couple, uh, couple times I got All-American, did a couple NFL contracts which were very short-lived <laughs> that's a pretty tough gig to uh, to hold down so yeah that, those are fun stories when you when you shared those with us I that that's a that's a cutthroat job to try to get into the NFL it, it definitely is it's on my bio so you want to see any more you can go to centralcoastlanding.com <laughs> I don't talk about it too much though it was about a five or ten minute career so it was pretty quick <laughs> hey man you made it farther than most people yeah I've got some pictures and some videos to prove it so you can't take that from me <laughs> All right. Well, we're glad to have Jason here in in the studio. Um, we also have a great guest who's going to be joining us a little bit later on the show. He's going to come in on at about twelve or excuse me, ten thirty. Um, we have Andrew Moreno joining us from the Slow EVC, the Economic Vitality Corporation, and so we're going to have a, a great conversation with him. I know. Um, also, just a quick reminder to our listeners. I heard the commercial on the way in, but there's going to be some siren testing today, I think at 12 and 1230. I believe so. So yes. don't be alarmed when you hear the air raid sirens go off. Um, I'm not sure how far those reach. I don't know if they get all the way into the North County, South County coast. I think they go to the, I don't know about the North County. I know they get the South County. I have one pretty much in my backyard. Okay. So, yeah. So yeah, there's going to be some ready. testing, reverse 911 testing, sirens, things like that at noon and 1230. So you don't have to do anything. Um, it's just a, a test today. So got all the, got all the announcements out of the way. Let's talk about what happened this last week. Well, let me recap myself and you out there in Radio Land. What happened two weeks ago, since I wasn't here last show, um, we saw a pretty good run-up in interest rates. We saw the 10-year Treasury yield hit its highest level in two years, so that's been the trend since about May 1st. The Treasury yields have just been um, on an upward tear, which means mortgage rates have been on an upward tear as well. They've gone up over 1% uh, since May 1st. Um, housing starts, however, is still pretty strong, um, and sales are kind of mixed. We're going to talk about home sales a little bit today. In, the employment situation keeps getting, we, we keep seeing small signs of improvement from month to month. There might be an aberration here or there. This week was a little bit of a backtracking in the employment, but um, for the most part, we're on a on an improving pace with, with the employment situation. Consumer confidence or consumer sentiment two weeks ago had declined a little bit, probably a reaction to higher borrowing costs. Um, so that's, that's what happened a couple of weeks ago. We're gonna start focusing on what, what happened this past week. Um, and really, I think when we look at the data and we, when we listen to the news and hear all the folks talking on the news, um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm hearing is everything is being tied to Fed tapering. You know, what does this data point mean for the Fed beginning to taper? 
Yeah, we see a lot of that. Uh, that seems to be the uh, the catchphrase now is tapering. There's the we've committed a lot of money uh, to the tune of about 85 billion per month in the purchasing of these mortgage-backed securities and treasuries, which essentially is just giving artificial support to those markets and helping us keep those interest rates low and keeping home rates affordable. So that obviously can't go on forever. So that that tapering topic has come up uh, a lot and. So we're, I think they were talking about September as maybe being a time when we can start the tapering, but from the, the economic news and reports that we're seeing, we're, we are seeing some improvements, but there's definitely still some weakness that uh, we feel probably will push that tapering back maybe till December, the first part of uh, 2014. Yeah, really, this movement, th these big movements in rates have happened, I'd say, in two or three big chunks since May 1st. The first big movement was about a half a point um, in interest rate, both the 10-year yield and reflected in the 30-year note rate. It was about a half a point sometime in the first or second week of May, and that was more based on speculation of what was going to be said at the, the Fed press conference in June. So in May, traders started to believe that the June press conference would reveal um, some indications that September would be the beginning of, of Fed tapering this $85 billion per month. Then the June meeting came and we saw another big movement. We saw another half point movement in interest rates. And that was as the Fed chairman was giving his testimony. As it was happening, we saw a huge movement in the bond market. Um, and then it's been relatively flat since June. We've seen little movements up and down here and there. Um, and then last week, it seemed like there was more, a little more volatility with the 10-year yield spiking again. I think they reached up to around 290 was, was maybe the high. Wh whatever it was, it was, it was the highest we've seen since 2009. Um, so rates now, according to... Freddie Mac on a 30-year fixed loan have jumped up to 4.58% and on a 15-year fixed loan to 3.60%. Um, both of those average rates are at the highest level since July of 2011. Um, so this is according to Freddie Mac. Those rates to me seem like they would be roughly no points with us today, maybe a small credit to the borrower at um, at those interest rate levels. So that's where we're at today. Roughly, I mean, what from the from the very low point, we're about a point and a quarter, point and a half, maybe higher than than where we were. So the speculation is, how is this going to impact housing? I think right now, if you talk to a lot of the local real estate agents and you talk to a lot of the people that are out there shopping and trying to buy a home, they're still there's still a, what seems to be a shortage with uh, with properties that are available for purchase. So, with that shortest shortage, you know, any just supply and demand, the uh, the the demand there is is really high on the on the purchase side. So, I think those small increases in interest rate um, it does have an effect, but there's still a pool of buyers big enough to to buy the houses that are. are up for sale right now. So I think that, uh, and if we step in a, if we were in a time machine and uh, we came here, you know, 
from five years ago when we were talking about rates being up to four and a half percent is still still very very affordable big picture wise so i think that uh rates are coming up i think we see a lot of the refinance applications down right now because rates jumped up but it seems like the uh, the purchase loans are are maybe a little bit less affected by the the increase in, in interest rates. Yeah, it, I agree with you, and and I you hit on the point of of supply right now, and that that seems to be the biggest issue in housing is is lack of supply. We've had five years of of pretty close to zero new builds. Um, only now are we starting to see some new projects come online, and and we're starting to see decent numbers with new permits and building starts but supply right now is the biggest issue and um, just this week we had an office meeting and one of our loan officers from Paso Robles shared with me that recently he's wor he's working with several qualified buyers right now who are just out trying to find a home and he wrote a pre-qualification letter to three of his clients for the same house <laughs> so and none of them got it not one of them wow. got the house um, so that's still the environment right now when you're out shopping for a home, I think in certain price categories, I think you get up into the medium and higher priced home categories and the competition is, is definitely less. Um, a few weeks ago we had Wes Burke on from Patterson Realty and he shared with us that it seems as if the, the frenzy has slowed a little bit that, um, maybe people have paused to reassess the home, there's the sense of urgency has waned just slightly. Um, people want to see where interest rates are really heading. Um, no doubt an increase in interest rates has also excluded some people who are on the fringe to begin with. Have ex They have been excluded because they just don't fit the eligibility criteria anymore. Um, so there's a few different factors here, but all in all, Home sales remain pretty strong. Those were probably the two biggest data points that came out this past week. Um, so I'd like to share those here. The first one we had was um, existing home sales. And this was a really positive number. Um, for the first time since 2009, existing homes in the United States are selling at a pace associated with a healthy market. Um, that healthy annual rate has now reached 5.4 million um, and it's, it's again, the first time since 2009, we've hit that level, um, 5.4 million annualized rate, which is associated with a healthy housing market. Um, over the past 12 months, we've seen these existing home sales, uh, increase over 17%. And for the first time since 2007, we've seen the annual rate above 5 million for three straight months. So that's, th that's a really good thing to hear that those existing homes are moving and we also know that the majority of those homes aren't short sales or foreclosures or bank owned reo stuff anymore it's these are ma majority of these sales are traditional um traditional sales without some kind of urgency then later in the week we saw new home sales new home sales um were completely opposite they were terrible New home sales dropped over 13% to a, an annual rate of under 400,000. It's the lowest level in nine months. And the June number, which was previously reported at close to 500,000 annualized, um, was revised downward to 450. So 
what's going on here? <laughs> New home sales look terrible and make us think that rates have definitely had an impact on the housing market, but existing home sales are, are the shining star. I feel like a lot of that is due to the, the fact that we've seen home prices a lot lower. So we're able to track those uh, those values over time. And I think I think a lot of people have recognized that those existing properties are coming in at really good values. They're really affordable with rates being low. And they can see historically that this home, you know, three, four, five years ago was worth X amount. And now it's down you know, 30, 40%. So I think people are really seeing the value in that and, and picking up those, those properties. So maybe, maybe that, uh, that history there isn't there for the, the new home sales. So maybe those are a little bit lower because of that. Sure. So you, so you think that on the existing homes that people are still kind of looking at those 2006, 2007 values and believing that the homes could get back up to those levels? Yeah, I think, I think we've seen a lot of depreciation in especially in in california and certain parts of the country but especially california and i think that people recognize that wait a second these values are a little bit lower than what they should be and we there's some really good opportunities here for for appreciation so i think that that's that activity um may be you know a big part of that and seeing that yeah you know and a lot of the home price indices that we see would probably reflect that opinion as well. We've seen nationally month over month or, or month after month, the year over year um, home price appreciation numbers are up 10 to 12%. When you look just at California, we're seeing 20 plus percent. Um, you look at Southern California specifically, we're seeing it even higher than that, more like the mid twenties um, year over year for gosh, it's been like four months now. Um, so definitely seeing a rebound in prices, whether or not that can sustain, that's a bit of a question. I think that's where the interest rates and prices eventually are going to reach a, a point where we've got a balance in supply and demand. Um, you know, some of it's going to have to come with, with new product on the market as well. Um, and I think we're in line for that. I mean, with the housing starts rose 5.9% from June to July. And that's a, a measure of the number of residential units on which construction is has begun or set to begin. The building permits, which is again a sign of future construction, is up, you know, 2.7, which came in above the expectations, and it's the best levels in eight years. So I think that those that new construction and new homes on the market will will maybe correct some of those new home sales uh, numbers and maybe turn those around. We'll see some more new home purchases and those numbers will get better as we move along, uh, you know, the, towards the rest of this year. A couple of, I think it was two weeks ago, Jason and I had Chris Richardson on of Richardson Properties and he, um, he really focuses on, on the new developments. And one of the developments he's working on is Sarah Meadows. It's a 177 unit project um, in San Luis Obispo and they're just starting to market phase one. So he was sharing with us that finally after four or five years that the cost to acquire land and build a home and, and for a builder to sell this home and, and actually make a little bit of money is finally present again. For the longest time, builders couldn't even build for what you could pick up a REO property for. And so now there's finally this opportunity. So yeah, I, I think that um, 
hopefully it was just the beginning of, of a trend in new home construction. We're seeing confidence from investors through the stock market with, you know, all the big home builders stocks um, showing some good, good improvement. They hit a snag here and there when a negative data point comes out. But for the most part, they've been on a on a good run here the last couple of years. Um, so I think that would show some investor confidence that new home construction's only beginning to um, to get its legs right now. I think it speaks to the fact, like you were saying earlier, is there's just a lot of, of information out there. And some of it's positive, some of it's negative. And it really depends on what the media focuses on and what their uh, what their their basically putting their attention to and depending on who you're listening to uh, you may hear really positive things about the economy and you may hear some some not so positive things about the economy and i think that's sort of what the fed is saying is we don't really have enough information to say with with a high degree of certainty what we're going to do and when this qe3 we're going to slow down and taper taper back with the uh, the investments that we're doing yeah i'm glad you brought it back to the fed um message here because what we're hearing is a little bit of dissent there's a couple of factions within the fed voting members right now we've got one contingent of people saying it's probably about time that we taper um and then there's a whole other contingent that says data's too mixed right now we are concerned that pulling back on this monetary policy right now will have an impact, a negative impact on the economy. It will stop the momentum or, or significantly hurt the momentum that we're seeing. Because really, other than housing, I don't think anything is extremely robust as far as economic growth. Um, housing seems to be the major driver. And I think going forward, it's probably going to be a, a big, have a big impact on the jobs market as well. Um, as, as we see more new home construction begin, we're going to see more hiring in those areas. So that's the big concern from this other faction within the Fed voting members is, is now the time or do we actually need more data? Because, I mean, just looking at the housing numbers that came out this week, very mixed. And within... And they shouldn't be. I, I don't see why. I mean, maybe you brought up a good point that maybe there's perceived value in the existing homes because there's a history of what they were worth um, that new homes just don't have. But I, I, for me, it seems to be very contradictory. And um, I, I struggle with, with those numbers. And what was even more troubling to me was the market seemed to react more to the new home sales um, disappointment than the really positive number from the existing home sales. And that is another baffling thing. Why, why are the, the markets showing more interest in new home sales than the existing home sales? Yeah, it seems like they're overly sensitive to a lot of the headlines that are coming out. And I, I think that we should keep in mind that when they do begin to taper back, the, currently they're buying about $40 billion in mortgage-backed securities, which helps support the, the low interest rate environment that we're seeing. And they're spending about $45 billion on treasuries. And when they do begin to taper back, many feel that they will taper back on the treasury purchases first, which, again, will continue to, to put that money into the bond market, the mortgage-backed securities, which should keep interest rates low. So even when we begin tapering, we should still see a, a fairly low interest rate environment moving forward. Um, we are getting pretty close to a break here. Before we go out, I, I want to put the the big bow on this um, talk about the housing numbers and tapering um, with the existing home sales we also saw 
prices of these existing homes increase year over year by about 13, it was a little less than 14%. And there were a couple of um, quotes here from Lawrence Yun, who's the chief economist with the National Association of Realtors. And I, I wanted to share his comments with you. Um, Mortgage interest rates are at the highest level in two years, pushing some buyers off the sidelines. The initial rise in interest rates provided strong incentive for closing deals. However, further rate increases will diminish the pool of eligible buyers. Um, <clears throat> he did go on to identify some compensating factors that um, can sustain this housing recovery. He said, although housing affordability conditions will become less attractive, so meaning you know, these trends in, in increasing home values and increasing interest rates, that the affordability conditions will become less attractive. However, jobs are being added to the economy and mortgage underwriting standards should normalize over time from current stringent conditions as default rates continue to fall. So that's one man's opinion, but he definitely has his finger on the pulse of what's going on in housing. So we'll see if if the conditions do ease as far as um, underwriting qualification goes. Certainly, I think everyone's in agreement that there's only one path we can go as far as affordability goes, and that's um, for things to become a little bit less affordable. Home prices are continuing to go up, and interest rates, you know, after 30 years of, of going down, they really have nowhere to go but up. So um, I, I think that Perhaps some of these numbers are, it's a little too early to tell if, if, you know, the new home sales numbers are really a trend or if it's just a temporary, um, temporary hiccup because of a, an abrupt change in the interest rate market. Uh, only time will tell. It's 1030 right now. Um, we are going to take a quick commercial break and then we're going to come back and have our guest join us, Andrew Moreno from the San Luis Obispo Economic Vitality Corporation. Um, he's going to be joining us. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of issues about the local and state economy, local businesses, what the mission of the EVC is. We've got a lot to talk about with Andrew. Really excited to have him on. Um, I also want to remind our listeners that we're going to be taking phone calls throughout the show, so you can give us a call at 543-8830. And, uh, and we have a couple of great sponsors who help make the show possible. So, um, when we go into this commercial break, pay attention to their messages as well. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. 
The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. We all have friends and family, people we know and trust. But when it comes to something as complicated and important as a mortgage, you need advice from a true financial expert. At Central Coast Lending, we commonly meet with people who received bad advice from someone they know and trust. Remember, no one has ever lost money from a second opinion. So before you sign, let Central Coast Lending take a look at your loan. Call us today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Welcome back. Welcome back to Mortgage Matters. It's 1033. Those are some pretty slick intros. I, I like, like this. That. Yeah, those Down are Jason brand actually new. works today. Yeah, it does. That's why we brought another Jason in so that the intros would work. Didn't have to change the track. Yeah, it really sounds good. I just, I'm so impressed. Whoever came up with that was brilliant. It's a great idea. Um, <clears throat> okay, we are back and we are joined now by Andrew Moreno. He is, well, we're going to find out a little bit from him what his exact role is with the EVC. And for those of you who don't know, um, the San Luis Obispo Economic Vitality Corporation is a, well, let's hear from you. Sure. Let's hear from Andrew. Well, thank I... you for having me here. So sure. the Economic Vitality Corporation, we are a regional nonprofit economic development uh, organization, and we provide resources to businesses within the county, and we are always looking to be an advocate for local economic development and uh, smart planning. Um, and so in a gist, we work with businesses and we listen to their needs and we try to advocate for them in a way that can bring about jobs, um, smart growth, uh, and in, in, in essence, kind of further the growth and the vitality here in San Luis Obispo County. How long, how did this, the Economic Vitality Corporation come about, and is it unique to our area, or is this something that every city has? Sure. Well, the Economic Vitality Corporation predates when I started uh, working there, um, but from what I understand, it was a group of concerned businesses who came together, um, and I should mention that the EVC is a public and private partnership. So we had people from our local government, along with local business people who came together and said, you know, we need to do something that can kind of stimulate growth and kind of serve as advocates for business, uh, the business community. And in a sense, the EVC was formed. I believe it was formed um, with the help of the county. And then through the process, we became incorporated as a nonprofit. And so now we're a standalone organization. Okay. Yes. And is this something that is unique to San Luis Obispo? Yes, it, we serve just uh, San Luis Obispo County. Do other cities have organizations like this? Yes, you will find uh, similar organizations in uh, various cities and uh, different counties. Okay. And so we are the largest and pretty much the go-to uh, organization when it deals with 
the economy in in San Luis. And so, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're trying to identify areas of, of opportunity to, to attract new business? Correct, yes. We're always looking for ways to advocate for new businesses and also existing businesses that perhaps just want to grow. And we're also looking to see how we can attract businesses to come to San Luis Obispo County due to our wonderful climate and our the atmosphere here. So any way that we can try to, again, booster the economy, that's something that we will you know partake in and do so. Okay. So I'm, before you came on, I was somewhat familiar with the EVC. I used to be involved with the um, City Council of Morro Bay. Okay. And I know that our tourism board was very involved with the EVC. Right. Um, so I guess one of the things that's always been a lingering question for me is how do you go about attracting a business here? Doesn't the business just decide that I'm going to go to San Luis Obispo or I'm already I'm already living here. I'm going to start my business. Right. Here. Yeah, we do. We do find that. And it's interesting that you mentioned that. So someone may have an idea, but then they'll come to San Luis Obispo County and then they'll say, OK, well, now that I'm here, what do I need to do? What are the steps that I need to go through? Who who are the people that I need to talk to? And the EVC is great because we have uh, a great deal of supporters. Our board of directors are involved with uh local government so we could we actually provide the conduit and kind of help that process move along okay um and so i know i i got the the brief summary of of the organization right. and i understand that the organization is broken into different areas of focus correct right so we, right now the evc is focused um particularly our main project is our economic strategy project and the economic strategy project uh, works to well. We have our what we identified as our six clusters of growth, which represented ninety percent of uh, job creations, and that's broken down between green energy, building design and construction, knowledge and innovation, uh, health services, uniquely slow, um, manufacturing, and specialized manufacturing. Okay, and so you. So these clusters are responsible for nearly 90% of job growth Correct. since 1995? Yes. Wow. Yes, and each cluster has uh, a working group of people in those professions that come together quarterly or on a month or as a need basis to, decided by the chair. And they work to put together their own, incent, uh, own actions, action items that they want to develop. And then as EVC, as project managers of the Economic Strategy Project, we will go about making sure that that can get completed. How many people work for the EVC currently? There are five of us there. Five, wow. Yes. So does each person manage one of the clusters? Uh, currently, we have Christine Rogers, who is the uh, project manager. I know Christine. Yes. Yeah, Christine, <laughs> she does a great job. Uh, and then I will assist on some of them. And, of course, we have uh, our president and CEO, Mike, Mike Manchak, who's a great uh, – great visionary and he kind of provides the direction of how we will go about uh, administering and, and managing the strategy project. And what is your role um, with the EVC? I'm currently the project manager of the business outreach services program and the business outreach services program came about funding from the workforce investment board and that program works to connect businesses with the resources in our county. Um, some of your listeners may be familiar with the one-stop center SCORE, uh, PathPoint, uh, career services at Cal Poly, of course, Hothouse, uh, career services at Cuesta College, and they provide free resources to businesses. For example, 
you may have a business who's interested in workforce training or you have an entrepreneur who wants access to capital. So we will meet with them and depending upon their needs, we will then connect them with those resources. So it's a very uh, rewarding project. Um, I've gotten to assist a lot of businesses in that area. Uh, and so that's the project that I manage. And then, of course, we have the economic strategy, which I also um, assist with as well. Wow, that's that's really great work. I, I know as a business owner, um, it's sometimes you just you don't know where to go for Absolutely. these resources. Yes. And you reach these points in your business where things seem to plateau and you don't know, Correct. but you still want you're in a growth mode. Yes. Um, so it's nice to know that there's assistance out there. I think that, um, you know, it's, it's hard b being a business owner. There's so much, so many moving parts within your own organization that to keep the momentum going right. sometimes requires that outside help. Correct. And, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, I give sometimes presentations. Uh, I, we have great partners with all of our chambers. And uh, I was recently uh, giving a presentation at uh, a chamber, and I went through the different partners, and it was interesting to me because a lot of the businesses were not aware of these resources, as you mentioned. So we're always trying to do outreach as, as best we can to let businesses know that, hey, there are resources out, out there available to you. Um, and if we cannot find ones for your specific need, there is always some multiplier effect where there's going to be one area where we can provide you assistance. Now, there's one of the, of the clusters. I believe this is one of your clusters, the building and building design and construction. Correct. Okay. So this one's of particular interest to me yes, I could see uh, <laughs> because it ties so closely with, with our mortgage business, of course. Um, and so I was curious just to hear a little bit about the goals for the building design and construction sure. cluster and what you're trying to accomplish here in the county. Sure. Well, the, the goals and objectives of that cluster are directly stem from the members. So they put together what they see fit as what they want to accomplish. And currently they're finishing up uh, a housing survey uh, that they completed, I believe back in 2010, 2011, if I'm, if I'm correct. Uh, and that's one initiative that they're now finishing up uh, and that will be published fairly soon. So I'm sure from your show, that would be something you'd be interested in seeing. Yeah, uh, and where can you results. where can you see the the results of of those studies? I believe those those will be on our website at slowevc.org. Okay. Yes. Um, so, a couple of the things that I'm seeing here, which I'm sure will be included in more detail in the study, some of the the problems, um, if you will, that we're trying to to solve here within the building design and construction our improved permitting process correct which i've heard throughout our industry is terribly difficult certain cities are easier than others right. but um permitting can be a, a huge challenge and a huge um a huge deterrent to wanting to build whether you're a builder by trade or whether you're just an owner builder um the the cost of permitting and the time that it takes to get through that process can be terrible. Right, and that's a that's a very timely question. We recently had a cluster meeting. Uh, it was in regards to permitting, but it had to do with uh, solar panels. Um, and so that was a, a very interesting and very um, uh, good meeting in the sense that we had uh, members of the different cities at there. We also had business leaders and we, were, we talked and we had discussions. So how can we best 
uh, make this process more uniform. And my understanding was that the cities were very receptive to that, and they understood the needs of the bu- their, the business community, and they're working towards uh, making amendments to their permit process so that it can be more uh, efficient for, for those interested in getting that, those permits, because that is so important to growth in our county. Yeah, we share the statistic a lot um, on the show, again, because it's so close to our industry. For every new housing unit built, it provides three full-time jobs for a 12-month period. So it's not only providing the, the shelter that we need, um, it provides very important jobs. And these are Absolutely. jobs that people can actually live on. I mean, these are some some good good wage jobs. Um, and that that's just the average for a one unit. You start getting into these bigger developments and you employ lots of different um, tradesmen. And it's it's a great boost to the not only the the general economy, but but the jobs part of the economy in particular. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I'm proud of at the EVC is uh, we have a Solarize Solarize Slow program. And part of that is that one of the requirements that uh, we would only use local firms. And I think that's so important. Um, You know, I used to work for a civil engineering firm. And so I'm familiar with when there's growth in those areas and in new infrastructure, there is a multiplier effect because then you can create so many different jobs from surveyors, engineers, developers, and construction workers. So it's it's a really great area. I'll share one more statistic with our listeners that we've um, shared in the past, just because I think it's so important to reinforce these basic principles of spending local. When you spend a dollar locally, on average, it gets recycled seven times within the community. So that $1 goes a long way when you spend it locally. Um, and, you know, I, I find that if if you put in a little bit of effort to seek a local business for whatever good or service you're looking for, it cost is usually comparable. And if it is higher, it's only slightly higher and probably is the difference in the cost of gas to go to the other store or to out of area, wherever you need to go, or just the time and hassle of dealing with some some company that isn't vested locally in your community that cares a little bit more about service. I find the service is generally better locally and um, just easier to get business done. And the cost is is comparable. And then that do- dollar just recycles throughout the community and benefits everyone. Yes, so absolutely. So I can't be a bigger advocate for spending locally. Um, it's nice that they have resources. Local businesses have the resources, like you're talking about, to be able to to offer their products and services at, at better pricing because they have they're a better business model because of the resources you guys are able to provide them. So that's great as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any any type that any way that we can help local businesses, you know, we're happy to hear hear and have conversations with them. And I encourage them, uh, any of your listeners who are interested in perhaps setting up a meeting where we can be more have a more in-depth conversation and see where we can provide assistance. You know, we would happy to do that. And that's what we're here to do. We are joined by Andrew Moreno. He is with the San Luis Obispo Economic Vitality Corporation. They help local businesses in all sectors of the economy with a variety of issues. Um, They also are looking to attract new businesses to the area. We've brought him on to the show as a local expert, um, a resource for you. So if you have questions out there, we'd love to hear from you. Um, You can give us a call here live in the studio at 543-8830. That's 543-8830. You can ask your question on or off the air, however you want to handle it. You can get your 15 minutes of fame, or you can just stay anonymous, whatever you like. 
Um, give us a call at 543-8830. We are going to take a quick commercial break, and we have a whole lot more with Andrew when we come back. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. When it comes to your mortgage, do you pay points or do you take the no-cost loan? Don't let your loan officer or banker choose for you. At Central Coast Lending, we help you decide. Numbers don't lie. We teach you to do the math so you can cut through the salesmanship and get the best loan for you. Because we can't be beat, we'll even teach you how to shop and compare other offers. We don't charge upfront fees, and we value every client. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right, here we are. Here we are. We're back. It's 10.51. We've got a few more minutes before we get forced out into that uh, top-of-the-hour break. Uh, we are being joined here by Andrew Moreno of the San Luis Obispo Economic Vitality Corporation. Um, you know, Andrew, we dove right into the the just the heart of the what the EVC is all about, and we kind of skipped over some of the basics, so I'd like to backtrack just a little bit and sure. learn a little bit more about you and um, what you know, how long have you been in the area? What brought you here? And how right. did you get involved with the EVC? Sure. Well, uh, prior to working with the EVC, I was a grants manager for a civil engineering firm. And that firm, we were the city engineers for Guadalupe, which, of course, is just just down the street from, <laughs> from where we are, in a sense. Uh, so I'm familiar with the area. I'm also a native from Fresno. So it's very common for us from the Central Valley to spend a lot of a great deal of our summertime here. Um, Did you come over here to go to Cal Poly? No, I actually, uh, I went to school at St. Mary's College. Oh, okay. uh, I did my bachelor's there. And then I also uh, hold two master's degrees um, 
And so uh, I was working with this engineering firm, and I've always enjoyed the coast. And I came upon the EVC, and I contacted uh, Mike Manchek, who is our president and CEO. And I discussed my background, and he you know, offered me a position with the company. So I've been with the EVC for almost about a year. It'll be a year in October. Okay. Yes. And I take it you enjoy it. Yes, I enjoy <laughs> it very, very much. Uh, I'm very happy with uh, the rewarding work that I get to do, especially with the business outreach program, um, working and having direct conversations with uh, the business community. Um, and if I can share just an example of uh, one that I found to be most, uh, in a sense, touching, uh, there was a business uh, person who I was meeting with who was having difficulty um, making their their mortgage payment um, and trying to boost their business. And so, you know, I worked with them and put them, I gave them resources with some of our partners. Um, and that was one area where I kind of felt, wow, this is, this is, we are doing work here that's actually making a difference in people's lives because this person was having so much difficulty where they didn't know what else to do. And they didn't have the resources to, you know, to hire an expert, but the business outreach program is open to anyone. Um, it's a free resource. It's a free resource. Uh, and so I'm always happy to meet with anyone. Uh, we have outreach meetings from North County to South County every month. We're in Cambria, Nipomo, Arroyo Grande, Atascadero. So if you're in any of those areas and you'd like to meet, you know, I encourage you to contact your local chamber and then they can contact us and we can set up a date. And so we try to make ourselves uh, available to the businesses uh, at their convenience. So I'm curious with that particular business, how did they get connected with you? Was it through the chamber or did you find them? Or Yeah, so as I mentioned before, we're always trying to boost our outreach. So we contacted the chambers. They're wonderful partners of ours. Uh, we put together a news release. They posted it on their uh, website and Facebook page. And this business, you know, then contacted the chamber and said, hey, I heard that so-and-so is coming out. We'd like to meet with them. And so when I go out there, we have a list of businesses to meet with, and they were one of them. That's great. Right. Yeah, I can only imagine how satisfying that kind of work can be that, you know, really making a benefit or, a, a, you know, providing a boost to someone whose whole livelihood depends on this business. I mean, it's affecting their mortgage payment. Exactly. It's affecting a lot of aspects of their life that can be very stressful. We see how stressful just the mortgage payment sure. issue can be. I mean, for the last five years, we've been helping people work through some pretty troubling situations. Then on top of that, to have the job, you know, be impacted too with, with the right. economic environment, to be able to help someone with one or both of those areas can, I mean, you, you hear it, the relief over the phone or in person when you're meeting with them and right. it's just it really does um make you feel like you're doing some good work i know we take a lot of pride um at our company and in, in doing whatever we can for the community most recently we went out and did a um a build uh day with the habitat for humanity um, swung some hammers yes yeah, so <laughs> pounded a few nails haven't done that in a long time but it was a it was a great rewarding right. experience we got to meet the people that we're actually helping build homes for and um, getting to learn a little bit about them and their story and it's that kind of work is is just incredible and, and really it's easy to see how you can get really addicted to that kind of right uh, that kind of job yeah i think for all of us in in our careers and profession we can get so caught up and then we are struck with someone or, or something that then makes us reflect. And then we see, 
and then we see, uh, you know, that that it, it, this is people. You know, we're helping people, and it can be very. It's very rewarding in that aspect. Now we had a caller call in just a minute ago, and I I think I already know the answer, but I'll let you field this question here. They want to know if the EVC is a federal agency. No, um, we're not a federal agency. We are a nonprofit, although we do receive funding from the federal agency through uh, the Department of Labor that's then trickled down to our local workforce investment board. Okay. And so, yeah, this is a local a local group. There correct. are other groups throughout the country like yours, but you operate independently. That's correct. You'll, you'll find other nonprofit and regional economic development uh, organizations uh, across the country. Uh, and they each have their own mission and sp are specific to their area. And so we are our own nonprofit specifically for San Luis Obispo. And so I guess just a follow-up question, there is no other regional board or anything like that that you're answering to necessarily? You operate, I mean, your group is really the Yes, the correct. Top. correct. So there's, there's our staff, and then we have our board of directors who are made up of uh, – local business leaders and our local uh, elected officials. So it's just dealing with San Luis Obispo County. Okay, and um, you had mentioned each of these different areas of focus that you call that you divide into clusters, Correct. and each of those clusters has its own board or advisory body of some kind? Well, the clusters are made up of business leaders, and there's a chair and a vice chair, and they and those members in each of those clusters meet and then they decide what initiatives or what's important to them and how they want to go about accomplishing their goals. And it really ranges from you can have a certain cluster that wants to do a study or advocate for a certain project within the county because they see that there will be residual uh, you know, beneficial impacts to them. Um, I know, for example, that the airport and gaining new flights is important. It's been an important conversation. It's really touched upon all of the clusters because if we're able to attract uh, additional flights, then we're able to get more people to come to San Luis Obispo County. It's easier for people to travel out of San Luis Obispo County. Um, so that's one area that's touched upon all the clusters. But then each one uniquely has their own um, objectives and goals that they would like to accomplish. And. I can only imagine um, participating in boards like this that annually you're looking for either new membership or redistribution of roles. Are you ever finding that you don't have enough members or you have a waiting list of people who want to get involved? Uh, you know, that's anytime that you have a volunteer uh, group of uh, members, you know, there are some who are able to participate, but we also understand that these are business people. And so sometimes they are geared and needed and and their own, uh, you know, business, so they may not be able to participate. And so we're always, you know, the clusters are always looking for new members because we want to hear from everyone. It's not just for X business or, or Y business. It's, it's open to everyone. So whether you're a small business or one of the larger businesses in our county. Well, we are getting forced out here into the top of the hour break. We've got a lot more with Andrew coming up in the next hour. So I hope that you'll stick around. You can also share your comments or questions by calling us at 543-8830, 543-8830. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Your host, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show.
All right, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. We've got an hour to go with you. It's 11.05. In case you're just tuning in, I'm Dan Podesto. Represent a wonderful local mortgage company, Central Coast Lending. Um, I'm joined by my co-host for the day, Jason Van Dyke. Hello, hello. He's just a fantastic guy from the South County. (laughs) You live in Grover Beach, right? I do, yes. I was uh, coming in this morning telling my son that I was going to be on the radio. And uh, <laughs> he wanted to know what song I was singing. <laughs> <laughs> did Did you tell him you have a terrible voice? Uh, no, I didn't. But Do you have him, a good voice? I don't think I've ever heard you sing. No. Maybe you could just uh, yeah. throw a few bars out I'm for us. I'm not sure right that I think I need uh, something different to make. It I'm not sure that's going to work right now. So I told him that I was not singing today. He was a little disappointed. In uh, is he listening now? Uh, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. I always. Um, quiz um my my household when i get home about what they heard just to see if they were listening that's terrible well i just want to make sure that they're getting the same great information that everyone (laughs) else in the county is getting these are little nuggets here these are these are gold the stuff that we bring you here every week i mean we've got guests like andrew who come (laughs) on and just i mean experts in their field they know this city that's county inside and out. I mean, you gotta gotta pay attention. So it's quiz time when you get home. <laughs> I'll put something together for him. Um, well, I know your your son's kind of like an aspiring comedian, right? He does. He's, he's been <laughs> in a couple local talent shows for his school and done fairly well. So he's uh, yeah, he likes to to make the people laugh. Maybe we'll sure. have to bring him and uh, he would probably guest host next time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Provide a little little color to the show here. Um, all right, so we are joined today by Andrew Moreno from the San Luis Obispo Economic Vitality Corporation. They are trying to help the business community here within our county, trying to help either new businesses realize what a great business environment there is in San Luis Obispo County, or trying to help existing businesses grow or solve problems um, to make sure they can sustain their business. So it's a, it's a great service that the EVC provides local businesses and um, really happy that you could take time out. I know Saturday is probably not a typical working day for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be here. Any way that you can spread the, spread the good news. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's, um, it's always great. That's one of the things I find in, in our community is that, you know, although this is probably a day you enjoy not working and, and being at home with your family and, you know, doing things that you enjoy doing for yourself, um, I always find that, like you, members of our community who have a lot of information to share are always willing to do it. And that's right. one of the great things about um, about this county and about all the, the cities within our county is that it really does feel like it's tight-knit and people are supporting one another. Right. And I think that's really the, the basis, the entire basis of the EVC and what your organization's all about. Right. Well, you know, you know working for a nonprofit, uh, you know, there's a lot of goodwill with, with what we do. And, you know, um, I, may, I may be biased in, in my opinion, but, you know, a lot of our, our staff does go the extra mile to, to do everything that we can uh, to be advocates for the business community um, and always take that extra step to see how best we can serve, uh, you know, our residents here and the business community and, and just various aspects. So we're happy to do so uh, and we enjoy what we do. 
Now, in before we got forced out into the hour break, we were talking a little bit about the organization of the EVC and right. how the ideas come about from yeah. the members, and that's that's a volunteer um, position that really anyone in the community, ideally someone from the business Correct. area yes. uh, of one of the clusters that you've identified, um, would offer their ideas and opinions and become involved as a member. Um, so that was one aspect that we touched on. Our caller called in here over the, the break and was curious to get into the, the I guess, the financial side of the structure. And I sure. don't know if you're even at liberty to share this stuff, but I'll, again, ask the question and you can answer however you choose. Um, how do the five members of the EVC, and these are the non-volunteer members, the folks actually work for the EVC, how does that look? I mean, are you paid through the donations that come from the Department of Labor or how does all that, the money side of it work? Well, I can speak to to my position. Um, the project that I work on is the Business Outreach Program, which is funded uh, through the Department of Labor. And we were contracted through the Workforce Investment Board. Um, and in those funds, there are funds set aside for administrative because if you have this program, you have to obviously have someone to perform and complete the tasks and objectives of that project. Um, and so it was uh, an open bid that was put out and the EVC uh, submitted a proposal for that project and we were awarded. Um, and so there are funds uh, that uh, pay for the administration part uh, of that. So that's how uh, my position is funded. Okay. Um, so I think that kind of wraps up the organizational side. We'll see if our caller calls back with another question. <laughs> um, I think the question's interesting, though. Um, I Recently, I saw something that, you know, some propaganda from someone, I can't even remember where I saw it, but they were saying, you know, you should, you should support these organizations and not these others because these others, you know, they're, they, they get paid and they make profits. And, you know, although they, they look like one of them was Goodwill Industries. Like, you know, don't give stuff to Goodwill because the CEO of Goodwill makes $2.3 million running this this business that is, you know, marketed or right. or whatever as, sure. as this phil philanthropic type of venture, but really it's a for-profit business. So, so don't give things to this guy and just help him make millions. And, and I think maybe some people look at that and say, you know, if this organization is being paid, if it's not 100% volunteer, then is it really an organization that's worthwhile and something that I should support and be a part of? I guess I'd, I'd volley that to you and get your opinion on that. Well, I can understand people's perception. Um, I do not work for, for Goodwill Industries, although they are one of our partners and I feel that they do, you know, good work. But anytime you're running a large organization, and you have uh, a, a staff of X number of people. You're gonna you're going to need someone who has the experience, and I would assume you would want someone who has the education and the background and the qualifications to handle those large budgets. And you know, in our economy, I mean, this is a capitalist economy. Uh, you know, people are paid for their experience and expertise, um, but that's that's those other salaries are are privy to their boards. And what they feel that they, you know, are granted are granted to make. Uh, I know from the EVC, uh, as I mentioned, you know, my my position is, is grant funded, and that was uh, it's accepted and it's it's permitted from the those administrative funds that come through. 
Yeah, I mean, it would be great if we lived in a utopia where we could all just do things for others and not be compensated and just right. trade goods and services. So That'd be Andrew, awesome. you're not making two point three million a year. <laughs> no, unfortunately, no, not <laughs> okay. not now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I think I mean you make a great point. You know, you want to have competent, um, competent people, educated people who are helping to run this organization with the input from volunteer members who right. give just a little bit of their time. You're giving all of your, all of your hours um, to this, and and you are a young guy and you need to, you know. Pay for your sure, absolutely. Your have, home and I your food and all that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think I think um, you know, it's it's definitely a, a great organization and a, you know to Goodwill. I think Goodwill does good work too. I I do. They they help uh, keep keep products that have been gently used moving around and to the people they want them at who need them at a more affordable prices. So, it's it's a you know. I don't know. Anyways, we'll get off that that part of the. Well, I think it's great too. You you mentioned that as well. Is that a lot of these companies and organizations need people who are educated, need people who, who can add value. And you sort of brushed over this on your bio, um, two two master's degrees, one from Gonzaga and one from Harvard. So it's uh, it's great that a guy like you, with your education and obviously super intelligent, hardworking. and gives your time to an organization like this that really matters. So that, that's great to see as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was very, um, you know, I, I consider uh, myself to be, you know, hardworking, and I'm very uh, proud of my accomplishments. And But I also understand, you know, that there are opportunities that may not be available to others, and I was very uh, blessed to be able to attend those schools. Um, so in any ways that we can give back and create ladders of success or opportunities for other people, you know, that's, that's something that I'm passionate about as well. We have a phone call from Pete in San Luis Obispo. Welcome to the show, Pete. Hi. Yeah, I'm just commenting on the uh, seemingly high CEO salaries sometimes. Uh huh. And I don't know about this one, but um, when you were just referring to, but <clears throat> it seems to me that the economy of the world has crashed due to overpayment of three-piece suits who supposedly knew what they were doing. And I think we should tread lightly with that kind of philosophy. I think there's a lot of competent people that would do the jobs that a lot of these overpaid people are doing for a lot less. And I don't think it's, I don't think you have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars to get uh, competency. Yeah. I think it's a runaway situation. I, I completely agree with you, Pete. It's when you get into the, the corporate world and the those multinational corporations, um, you you definitely see the exorbitant salaries and and folks who um, have have demonstrated in recent past that they're um, not as powerful within their organization as they as they are assumed to be given their level of compensation. They're not able to stop disasters from happening. And specifically, I'm talking about the banking industry. We're talking guys making tens of millions, if not, you know, more than that. They they make a lot of money in the banking industry, and yet they can send our entire economy um, into a major tailspin, like we've seen. And then it takes the efforts of of the federal government and you know just 
the world economy to get it back on its on its feet and even then we're still struggling to to get back to where we were so yeah your, your point is well taken yeah i'd um, love to spend a day say following one of these guys around or one of these people around <laughs> and see what they what do they do to earn their twelve thousand dollars an hour yeah i'd, I'd like to know because i for many people yeah I'd, I'd bet that i could probably give them a run for their money for that kind of pay too in fact i think andrew andrew could could do it as well. <laughs> well, we I have don't the same make thing right here in San Luis with a lot of our department heads and so on, making hundreds of thousands of bucks. And yeah, yeah. The uh, average Joe is uh, kind of irate. Yeah, I I hear where you come from, Pete. It's nice to, or it's it's sometimes you know, you see some of the salaries with the the public officials, and it's you kind of wonder. Um, yeah. <laughs> so do. yeah. Um, well, we appreciate the, the call and the, the feedback, Pete. We always appreciate you listening as well. Thank you. All right. Um, well, I know we kind of got on this, this pay track here a little bit. And I, you know, I know a few of the folks who you've mentioned that work at the EVC, and that's not the situation that's going on there. It's modest, Correct. modest pay for um, really great work to help local businesses and, and aspiring local businesses um, get going. And I, I think that's really the point that we want to leave people with here is what all the good that the EVC does within our community. Having a strong local economy is important not only for the business owners themselves, but for the community. It's, it's the taxes that are generated that help keep roads nice and keep trees pruned and, you know, all the services keep police and fire and, you know, all those services that we need and want and enjoy. Um, it's a, it's a strong business community that helps make these things possible and groups like the EVC that helps support these businesses and provide services are just as, as responsible for keeping the community as great as it is. So that, that's really the point, I think. Yeah. And just to touch upon what I mentioned earlier, you know, we work, you know, as a nonprofit, we are you know a scrappy nonprofit, and you know we are uh, are always doing what we can within the constraints of our budget to 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 go that extra mile, uh, you know. And sometimes uh, sometimes our budgets are, are are lean, but the task is great, so we put in that extra time. And you know you'll find a lot of our staff traveling uh, to the different parts within our county just so we can meet with a few business people so we can say, you know, we're here because we, we care about your concerns and what can we do to help you? And that's part of our mission. And, you know, we're happy to do so. Um, now, I know, you know, some of the things, again, I'm going to touch on the, the building and construction side before, um, j- just because of the relationship with the show, but some right. of the things that you're working on through that side of the EVC um, which I think are, are really progressive and important for our community. I always think our community's ahead of the curve um, when it comes to, to, to issues and forward thinking um, in general. But, you know, the EVC is helping promote energy efficiency within building. That's one of the big things. I know right. I, I'll, I'll reference a past guest here, Chris Richardson with the Sarah Meadows Project, is saying that all those homes are coming with solar standard. Yeah. And I know it's that 
kind of influence from an organization like the EVC that's right. helping um, add those amenities to new homes in our in our area. Um, renewable energy production is another area. Um, the innovative design where you take advantage of sun patterns and, and climates and things right. like that to make homes more efficient. It's these kind of ideas that are coming from the advisory boards of the EVC to help promote these ideas to everyone, not just... Right. You know, you know I really have to tip my hat to uh, my coworker, Christine Rogers, who's LEED certified, and she does such an extraordinary job working in that area. Um, and so we are always looking to see how best we can um, provide, uh, you know, amenities um, for, for buildings that are done in a way that's smart and that is, you know, sustainable in that aspect. And another big thing is just affordable housing. Absolutely. You know, that's a big issue in our county. When people, when you're trying to attract businesses here or help businesses grow, one of the biggest challenges is how am I going to get an employee here or how am I going to start a business here when the cost of living is so high? And, you know, I know from starting a business that when you're first getting going, things are lean and it's hard to provide maybe the level of salary that you would want to eventually you have to start somewhere and it's hard for to even support someone to rent or buy a home here and and be here and establish that family unit here in our area so affordable housing and the workforce housing is a huge thing um, for us in san luis obispo county and that's another one of the uh, ideas that is coming out of this building design and construction cluster with the evc right and i think you know within our organization those are ongoing conversations based on concerns that we hear from our cluster members and uh, businesses that I that I work with and outreach to. Um, and then, of course, outside of our organization, those are just that the whole idea of affordable housing um, and trying to attract uh, potential employees for the businesses. You know, one of their concerns is, well, I'd like to attract this person from the Bay Area or from down south or from wherever. But, you know, outside when they leave the office, where are they going to go? You know, are they going to be able to have housing that that they can, you know, afford and then they can live comfortably on? And, and so those are always areas. That's one area that I know that the building design and cons, uh, construction cluster uh, is very concerned about. And as I mentioned, they are completing in the final phases of their uh, affordable housing survey, which will be coming out uh, shortly. Now, a I want to, we only have a few more minutes with you here on the show, so I want to make sure that we give out all the information to the various people who might be interested in contacting the EVC. So first to the, um, to the business community who might need or want to learn more about the resources that the EVC provides, how would those folks get a hold of, of you or anyone within the organization? Sure. Well, I would always encourage them to sign up for our newsletters. Uh, we have monthly newsletters, which, uh, identify all the different areas which we're focusing on. They highlight various resources. I have an article in there that talks about we highlight one business resource out of the month and we uh, inform our readers about what they provide. So that's one area I would encourage them to go to our website at slowevc.org, sign up for our newsletter. We also have a business resources web page on our website which lists all of our resources there. And then, of course, we have our contact information and anyone who's interested in scheduling a meeting or learning more, uh, my email and my uh, office number are there. So I would, you know, happy to hear from anyone who's interested. Oh, and I'm seeing here that 
it's the EVC who puts on the economic forecast every year. Yeah, we're uh, part of the the group that puts that together, and I believe the next annual one is on November the the twenty second. That's great. Um, okay, so that's for um, folks who might need the resources. What about um, business members of the community who might want to get involved in the advisory side? Sure, absolutely. Uh, I would encourage them to visit our same website and contact Christine Rogers, who is the uh, program manager of the Economic Strategy Project, and her contact information is on our website as well. Okay. Um, so we're nearing the end of our time with you, Andrew, and I really want to thank you again um, for taking time out of your weekend to join us and share just a little bit about what the EVC is doing for our local community. Um, so, you know, we've touched on a lot of different topics. Any final thoughts for our listeners? Well, let me just uh, close by saying thank you for uh, having me on today. I'm happy to be here. And again, I would encourage anyone who's interested or have thought about ever starting a business but may have some hesitation or reservations, contact us and we can put you in contact with those organizations who can walk you through the step-by-step process of what it is that you need to do to start a business. And then for existing business owners, uh, if there's any areas of concern that you're dealing with, please contact us. Uh, We are a free resource and we will do our best to try to uh, assist you in any of those areas that you may have. That is great. You do great work, Andrew, and um, all the folks at the EVC. We really appreciate what you're doing to help build and sustain a strong business community within our county. So thank you. Um, We are going to take a quick commercial break here. When we come back, we're going to touch on a few more headlines. It's going to be Jason and I closing out the show with you for the last half hour. So please stick around. We're also going to invite your calls or questions at 543-8830, 543-8830. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. The state of denial is a dragon. A trial when I bought my cheap insurance. Should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. When you decide it's time for a new vehicle, you do your research. Then you comb the internet and the dealerships for the best offer. So when you're shopping for a home loan, why would you only get one quote? Central Coast Lending would like to remind you that no one has ever lost money from a second opinion. So before you sign, let Central Coast Lending give you a quote. We work with multiple banks to find the right loan for you, and more often than not, our rates and fees are the lowest you'll find. Give us a call today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, we're here live, Mortgage Matters. We've got just a short half hour left with you today. Um, really enjoyed the conversation with Andrew from the EVC. That was great. Um, I really do think they, they do some great work. It's a great to know that there's a resource out there for business owners. Um, again, being a business owner, I know how tough it is to run a business and keep all those plates spinning. So um, to have... Uh, a group like the EVC out there to help you, um, and being a free resource, I mean, does the the price point's perfect. So it's it's a great thing for the community to have the EVC here as a resource. And um, again, just want to thank Andrew for taking his time to join us here on a Saturday. Um, in case you missed the contact info to get in touch with the EVC, you'd go to slowevc.org, slowevc.org. Um, you can call their office on Tank Farm Road at 788-2012, 788-2012. And they're located um, out there on Tank Farm Road and Broad. I think that's Tank Farm Road, 735 Tank Farm Road. Pretty sure that's where that is. Um, so we'll close that little chapter here and on to the next. Jason, how's it going? You're just so quiet. I'm, I'm just listening to you do your thing. <laughs> You're doing so good. All right. Well, um, Trying not get, to get in your way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so when we started the show, we were talking a little bit about um, Fed tapering, how that's impacting the economy and day-to-day -day news that we're hearing, how all the little individual um, reports we're seeing are always being tied back into this tapering and the health of the economy. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think we can all agree the economy is rebounding from pretty dismal times just a short four or five years ago. Things are definitely better, but still have a way to go. So a lot of the data that we're seeing is mixed, and that's being reflected in the, um, I, I would say, non-committal nature of the Fed right now to s say what they're going to do. You know, no one really knows right now. Yeah, I think a, a big piece of it is the the housing market. The housing market has come back. We're seeing some appreciation. So a lot of what's happening in the economy is built around that uh, that housing piece. And so to know that a lot of that has been supported by you know the the quantitative easing and the money that uh, that we've been putting into these investments it's hard to say okay now's the time to pull the plug on that because that may then deteriorate what the progress that we've made so i think there's there's a lot of question marks there with a lot of uh, a lot of other mixed economic reports out there um, that we talked about earlier 
I think it's uh, it's tough to say it's time to pull the plug on what we know has been really a catalyst for some of the, the economic growth that we have seen. So it's definitely a tough question, and the timing uh, with a lot of things is uh, is difficult. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think the timing is is the most challenging part. On the one hand, we're hearing talk from traders saying that mortgage rates, I, let me backtrack a second. As we start to taper from this $85 billion a month, $40 billion of which is being spent on mortgage-backed securities to help keep mortgage rates low, another $45 billion being spent on treasuries to help keep um, treasury yields low, um, keep borrowing costs low for businesses, for individuals, for the federal government. All across the board, we're stimulating um, to try to keep interest rates low. <laughs> On the one hand, we've got traders saying that interest rates rising another 1% or 2% would have a minimal impact on the momentum of the economy. And then we've got someone from NAR, we've got Lawrence Young, the chief economist there, saying that if rates continue to increase, it will have an impact on the housing market, which has been the primary driver of our economic recovery. So it sounds like we've got two different opinions here. You're a finance major. You you work in this business. What do you think? What do you think when we pull the plug on $85 billion, whether it be gradual or or abrupt, you know, what do you where do you see the interest rate market going and what do you see happening to the economy? I think that there's a lot of variables there in those numbers that we have to to really think about. If we talk about 10 people going out to purchase homes. And with interest rates being at all-time lows, all ton of them can qualify. Well, if there's only three houses out there to buy and interest rates go up and that pool of buyer goes, buyers go from 10 people down to, let's say, five people, we still have five qualified buyers who are looking to buy three houses. So even though rates are up and the affordability may have come down slightly because the pool of buyers now has shrunk, if we have limited inventory, we may not see or feel those interest rates immediately. And I think that's what we're seeing now with uh, with limited inventory and uh, plenty of people out there qualified to buy still with, you know, four and a half, five percent interest rates that we may not uh, right now be feeling that. And again, it's supply and demand and economics. So as the as more homes come on the market with uh, with the building numbers being up, like we talked about, um, there's going to be more supply with uh, with homes, you know, being able to be purchased, and we're going to need that pool of buyers to be, you know, that ten again instead of back down to the five. So, so uh, there's a lot of variables. Uh, the houses that are on the market, um, where interest rates go, will obviously affect the affordability and the pool of buyers that are are able to to purchase. So, I think if we, uh, it, it's it's going to be really touch and go as we head into the fourth quarter here and we'll have to keep track of what homes are available and and really try and balance that out with interest rates and make sure that we don't have rates come up too fast to where we now have a problem where we have too many homes and not enough buyers so i think that that we'll find a nice balance there and i think again if we sort of take that thirty thousand foot view of things uh, rates are still very very low historically and 
we have to, to keep in mind that they, like you were saying earlier, it's impossible for them to stay at three and a half percent. It just is. At some point, we're going to have to back off of that support and let the uh, let the markets dictate naturally where rates should be. And likewise, it's impossible for the federal government to continue spending money at the. I mean, it's not impossible, but it's it's not practical or, or prudent for the government to continue to spend money at the clip that it's doing. It yeah, needs we're kind to of kick in the can down the road. Yeah, it needs to get back to standing on its own two feet, the economy that is. And um, so eventually all this stuff has to come to an end and things have to get normal again. So um, you answered my question more focused on the housing side. Let me turn it then to more of the business side if we're still in a recovery mode and the employment side has made progress it's made slow and steady progress it's still been the slowest jobs recovery we've i think ever seen following a recession um if borrowing costs rise for businesses business owners how are they expected to continue to grow and hire? Where do you see when? Well, I think that's the concern, right? Is we don't want to to cut short the efforts that we're putting in now, and have some of the the progress that we've seen um, reverse. And so we talk about the unemployment rate. We talk about that those numbers looking better, but they're they're definitely not to the point where. Where again, they're they're ready to pull the plug on some of this tapering, or or pull the plug on some of these funds on the QE3 and begin tapering. So that's that's definitely one of the the, the things that we're going to have to balance moving forward. Um, now I know this every week we see initial jobless claims numbers come out, and they have trended downward. Most recently, the last couple of weeks we saw jobless claims down around the 330,000, 325,000 level, which is really a good number. Um, Jason did some digging a few weeks back and found that in some of the best economic times um, in the mid-2000s, we were, we were seeing initial jobless claims around 280,000 per week. So um, to see that number get down to the 320s is certainly a good number, very close to what it would be in a normal, healthy economy. Um, there's always people losing jobs and then getting rehired. So having initial applications for um, jobless benefits is not a bad thing. I mean, it's just part of the economic cycles that we see and the, the hiring cycles and things like that. Um, so getting down below 350 was a key number, and this week's reading was also below 350,000, uh, as is the less volatile four-week moving average, staying below 350,000. Below that number is consistent with um, with a level that can that can help improve the employment picture and lower that um, national unemployment rate. So that was the the latest news from the jobless front. Um, However, we are seeing, it, without a doubt, the, the increase in interest rates are impacting the mortgage jobs and the mortgage um, community. We've seen refinance volume fall um, in a big way. For the 10th consecutive week, we've seen refi applications fall. Um, and overall mortgage applications fall. And we're seeing big um, companies, big banks like Wells Fargo, cutting 
uh, their mortgage workforce significantly. This week, it was announced that Wells Fargo is going to be cutting 2,300 jobs from its mortgage production unit, primarily in the retail sector, which equals about 20% of the loan officers they employ. So that's a pretty significant cut. Yeah, and that has a lot to do with, the like you were talking about earlier, the refinance transactions and applications being um, yeah. much less because of those rates being higher. Uh, we have a caller here on the line, so let's pick him up. We've got Rick waiting patiently on the line, calling from San Luis Obispo. Welcome to the show, Rick. Hi. Um, you know, I think one of the reasons that the job recovery uh, has been uh, uh, weak compared to last uh, past recoveries is that this money from the quantitative easing has been really flowing into the banking se sector primarily, and that has benefited largely big businesses. And big businesses are not really where job growth takes place. Almost all the job growth, and this is what I've known since I've been in business for the last 40-some-odd years, is in small businesses. And uh, they're the job creators, for the most part, in, in real terms. And uh, they've had a hard time borrowing money, often uh, because they've tightened up the lending uh, guidelines at, at a lot of the banks. So... Uh, uh, it's even though there's there's a lot of money out there in the banks, uh, you have to have really super uh, uh, credentials and whatnot to to be able to borrow it. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And you know all the all the the big politicians in the last election cycle, their their big point when it comes to the economic policy is supporting small businesses because they are the drivers of growth in our country. They are the, the, where the job opportunities are going to, to come from. Um, so you're, you're right on with that. That's exactly what the message we've been, that's been delivered to us through our, our government. And yet we have these contradictory policies that are impacting the small business owners ability to get access to capital. Like you're saying, Rick, um, you know, we've we've got policies in place now where we're injecting money into banks to help them lend more, but at the same time, we're requiring them to beef up their um, their liquid capital reserves um, so that they're not as leveraged as they were before. So while they're getting more money, they're having to hold on to more of it because of the the mandates from the government to try to make it a healthier banking community. Yeah, I think the the catch twenty two is that um, in order for businesses to be able to borrow money, they have to show that their their income is improving, and that requires greater demand. In order for there to be greater demand, people have to be earning money so that they can go out and spend it. So the place, the right place to have injected all that capital was not in the banks for people to borrow, because borrowing, people were already over-borrowed. It would have been... Uh, at the basic levels to create more consumer demand by getting money to consumers. I mean, they would have been better off giving that money to the public and letting them spend it, and therefore creating demand. And then uh, that would enable businesses then to hire more workers and expand. So unless you have that demand, you really uh, don't have the the um, the the thing to show bankers, you know, that your, your business is going to be expanding and you need money for that. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting debate, uh, you know, whether or not the 
delivery of federal funds was was delivered in the right way but it, you know we kind of did a top down let's go through the auto companies and through the banks to deliver it to the people um and there's a lot of debate about whether or not that was the right method or whether it should have even been done at all yeah and well it, we could have done it by by debt forgiveness so like a lot of those uh housing loans that went bad and stuff where people got roped into these uh you know, ridiculous uh, uh, loans, if the government had actually stepped in like they promised to do and really restructured those things and made it possible for people to stay in their homes instead of having just this huge number of foreclosures all over the country, I think that would have greatly benefited the economy. Yeah, it's, well, we'll we will never know now, um, unfortunately. Hopefully we don't have to run through this uh, this type of experiment again to, to try that approach. Well, I think the problem is when you have a top-down situation with lots and lots of money at very high levels, they tend to structure things in such a way that the money stays at very high levels. And often they don't really care what happens down at ground level, you know, where the rest of us live. And they, you know, they'll transfer their money out of the country, invest in any rapidly growing economy like India or China. And, uh, and leave us out in the cold, and that you know we've we've seen that over the past uh, thirty or so years, and I think um, uh, like the EBC's focus of really making things happen locally, I think we need to do that. Um, I'm I've been involved in inventions and innovation, and uh, producing innovative products uh, throughout my life, and I found it extremely difficult to get funding for that kind of. Uh, work. Uh, the banks want to base their ability to their willingness to lend you money on your current income, not on the future prospects of products. And so you have to find venture capitalists and angel investors. And often they're only interested if your comp if they can take your company public within three to five years. Yeah, it's yeah. Banks are definitely focused on a on more. Well, they they say safer um, bets, but we've we've seen them just you know stray from that type of lending in the past. Here, I I think one of the interesting issues that you bring up is is the criteria by which banks would lend to um, individuals, and we run into this issue a lot in the mortgage industry with underwriting standards that if you have a declining income. Um, that that can be problematic. We've seen lenders actually say, uh, this person's on a declining income path. We're not going to count any of their income. Yeah. Um, so certain banks take a very rigid um, stance, a very conservative stance on that, on that type of issue. And when, when they see um, someone's income situation declining, even though you look around and it's kind of happening all around us, it's happening, you know, with households everywhere with businesses everywhere with the governments i mean everyone's experiencing declining income and and we're trying to solve those problems so then to deny someone who's trying to to make it with an idea or with you know some some opportunity for growth um simply because the the general downturn in the economy is impacting their their revenues on an annual basis it's it's kind of interesting that 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 um yeah. It's hurting people. Well, well, that's that I think is the whole problem with the the sequester uh uh scenario and the idea of cutting back on government jobs. I mean, yeah, we don't need to have wasteful government spending, 
by the same token, if they suddenly start cutting all these jobs, then you're me because uh, they're uh, they're not uh, uh, able to earn or they're not putting that money out into the economy anymore. So it, it, um, <laughs> I got this other call coming in right now. It's distracting me. Um, <laughs> Well, Rick, we, we do appreciate your um, your comments as always, and, and thanks for being a, a listener every week, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. All right. Um, it is time for us to take our final break of the show here, and we'll come back and wrap things up. Um, I know, Jason, you've got a lot to share with the audience, so we'll get all of your thoughts and opinions here. When we come back from this quick commercial break, stick around for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Saying that all mortgage lenders are the same is like saying all restaurants are the same. We all know that fast food isn't the same quality as Five Star, and there are a lot of fast food lenders out there. But what if you could get Five Star quality at fast food prices? At Central Coast Lending, that's exactly what you get. Expert advice at the best possible price. If you're looking to buy a home or refinance, before you sign, let Central Coast Lending take a look at your loan. Call us today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending. Lending, the mortgage experts. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. All right, it's the home stretch here on Mortgage Matters. I'm Dan Podesto in the studio here with Jason Van Dyke. We've just had a lovely afternoon here. That's not even the afternoon. Holy cow, we have the whole rest of the afternoon That's to go. That's still coming. That's still yeah, coming. then we can finally start our weekend. Um, we do enjoy bringing the show to you every week. It's uh, our opportunity to um, bring local guests on, local experts of their craft like uh, Andrew today. 
um, who's out there willing and able to help any local business or um, aspiring entrepreneur start a business. Um, and then we also just try to um, offer our expertise and our knowledge of both the housing market in and the uh, general economy, the data points that are coming out each week, how that's likely to impact um, the housing market and interest rates so that you can make some educated decisions when it comes to your home, whether you're in the market to buy a new home or um, have a home that, you know, you may be thinking about refinancing or, or doing something with that mortgage or your home um, and you need a finance expert, that's why we're here and we're just trying to show you a little bit of, of what we're all about, our knowledge, our expertise, and um, develop a little rapport with you. So we hope that when you do need a mortgage, you'll be um, at least throw us in as a possible option for you, given us a call at Central Coast Lending. Um, you know, interesting points that we had with Rick here when he called in, just about the change um, in standards when it comes to accessing some financing, whether you're a business owner looking for business financing or a homeowner looking for the um, home financing, standards have really changed. And that's, does, you know, that's an understatement. From where we came from in the, the early to mid-2000s to where we are today, a completely different world. I think we can all agree that they had to change. I mean, the, the, the environment that we were working under during that time when we saw that run up and we saw maybe people getting into homes that that maybe necessarily shouldn't have been buying homes because of the loose guidelines that we had, um, we, we did see the pendulum swing the other way. And so what, I think what we're seeing now is it, it is starting to swing back to maybe a little bit more of the normal range. We do see lenders, you know, coming out with slightly looser guidelines. Maybe they're the, the debt ratios that they're allowing might be a little bit higher. There's programs like the HARP program, which, uh, which really has helped a lot of people locally because values are down and a lot of people just think that, you know what, I owe 250,000 on this property and it might be worth, you know, 180 now, there's nothing I can do. And they're not aware that there are really good programs out there that will allow you to refinance, even though you're upside down, um, at high loan to values and not have mortgage insurance and really um, drop their monthly payments down. I mean, there's a lot of programs out there that are new that people aren't aware of. So we really encourage you to, to give us a call and find out, you know, what uh, what is out there and what's available to you. And it uh, it's, it's really worth your time, a five minute investment of your time to find out exactly where you stand now. And I think a lot of people are going to be surprised at what's still available. The HARP program's been, you know, it's been around for now three years or so, and it's been getting a lot uh, it still gets talked about a lot through the media um, and how effective it is. And it's becoming more and more effective as each year goes on. And one of the biggest opportunities for a homeowner to take advantage of HARP is if their home values decline since when they purchased it and they now owe more than their home's worth. HARP doesn't care about the home value. Um, it just cares about your payment and getting it, whether you're getting a lower payment or whether you're getting into a safer loan program, you know, from some arm or interest only or negatively amortizing program into something fixed and stable. That's the big opportunity is not really considering the value. But I know there's another big opportunity, which you're working with a client right now, Jason, who's um, got who's experienced a decline in income mm -hmm. um, and their debt to income ratio, which aside from your credit score is probably the biggest factor in qualifying for a mortgage. Um, the HARP program allows higher debt to income ratios 
Um, you saw one recently that was like around 70%. Yeah, almost double, almost double of what the normal guidelines would show. So that's, that's great because there's opportunities there that we're just not aware of until we take a look at your specific scenario. And again, I've had people that call and say, you know what, I'm not sure there's much I can do. Um, you know, we've heard good things about Central Coast Lending and some of the things that you have done for your clients. I was referred to you. You know, can you take a look at this? And and I, I've dealt with a lot of clients who who now, you know, have a new loan and it's a low interest rate and they were upside down and they, they're they're they don't understand why it didn't work before, but they're very happy and excited that uh, that we were able to help them. So that's that's great. Well, another thing that I experience is is folks who call in have already been there they're very pessimistic about their options because they've already been turned down by another company. Um, one of the advantages that our company has is that we're both a direct lender and a broker. Which is huge. We have every option. We can do our own um, lending as well as offer other banks' products. So on our broker side, we have 40 other banks available to us, and each of them have a different spin on guidelines. Um, some of them have different appetites for risk. So if you go to one institution that has a limited number of banks or maybe they're, they just operate by one set of guidelines, you may get an answer that differs from another bank's opinion of what they can do for you. Another factor is that home values, if you haven't seen any headlines, home values have been rising. So if you were turned down for some reason, you know, few months or years ago, the the new valuations of homes today may have provided you some additional opportunities. So I guess the message I would say to existing homeowners right now is that if you have an interest rate that's higher than 5%, you should call us. Or if you're retiring in the next few years, call to find out what you can do to get your fixed lower payments um, you know, lower. So heading into retirement with your fixed income, you have the lowest payments possible. Yeah, I, I do think that there's opportunities out there. So if you're above 5%, there's no reason why you shouldn't take a couple of minutes to call us. We're not going to put you in something or, or advise you to do something that's not going to be beneficial to you. That's not the way we operate. Um, and then for folks out there who are looking to buy a home, uh, we love doing purchase loans. We love helping first-time home buyers understand their options. Um, we, you know, I bought a home just a short, gosh, 10 years ago, still feels like I understand what the first time home buyers concerned about. So we have a way of communicating with first time home buyers and helping them understand the process and what to expect. Um, and experienced home buyers where we deal with investors and we can do lot loans, construction loans. If it's a loan on residential property, um, we can do it and we're great at it. So, um, we'd love to help you. Again, we are a direct lender and a broker. We've got every mortgage option available to us. Jason, if folks want to get a hold of you in the South County, how can they do that? They can reach me at 801-2139, and all my contact information is on centralcoastlending.com. Yep, check out our website, centralcoastlending.com. Give us a call during the week, 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll be back next week with another edition of Mortgage Matters.